This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This programme was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio. So some items may be out of date. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio by the Lone Ranger this evening from the back of the Nest podcast. It is the legend, D.R. Kernaz. Let me tell you what a show we have in store for you. You may think it's just me and him flying the flag tonight. We've not, we've just, he's just got into the studio. He's already given me grief. He's going, I don't care about Palace. I don't care about the five games. What about Arsenal? What about we're set <laughs> for a big, big show? He's already given me grief about Arsenal. We're comparing the two. Where are Arsenal? going where are Palace going there is so much to talk about the Liverpool game in what was let's be honest yes they lost yes they didn't get points a very good performance for Palace should have come away with something in the game VAR certainly played his part maybe it's good that we don't have Nick tonight because I know if it was about VAR it would have dominated the show we will be joined by Max Matthews for his take on it and we're going to be doing uh, lots of other Crystal Palace news surrounding the club in the community off the field and also the decade is up we're going to be talking what DR makes of the last decade for Crystal Palace then will look towards doing a Burnley preview but let's get into it because DR says he wasn't that bothered on the weekend yeah not bothered my friend why I mean you've you've seen me after losses against Chelsea where I was actually annoyed that we didn't go for it but mm. Roy said before the game that we're not going to sit back and I was like all right you're just playing mind games now you're playing and come on now Roy you're not going you shouldn't be playing mind games um <laughs> not a fan of the mind yeah, games deal yeah no nah, not for Roy Hodgson he's he's more of a gentleman like you look Very at true. Roy as uh, Sir Roy like he should be Sir Roy not mind game Roy <laughs> and yeah so he decided <laughs> that's how I see Roy Hodgson and <laughs> so yeah I thought he was playing mind games and then yeah we didn't actually sit back i mean we went for it which is which was so weird to see because you would expect that you would sit back against the champions of Europe. Mm. Premier League, they're leading the race for Premier League. It seems like it's their league to lose right now. Unbeaten. And yeah, I mean, we went for it. Andros Townsend, Jordan Ayew, Wilfred Zaha. We've been talking about these players and how they're not involved as much. But in this game, they were. And that's due to Roy giving them more freedom and telling them that you could go forward. Go and pressure them. Don't sit back. And that's the way to approach these kind of games. Because mm. you sit back against Liverpool... 
as we've seen in the past four to five games, they'll, they'll always have one or two opportunities and they'll put it in and then the game's over. But the fact that we didn't sit back and we, went, we actually went for it, there was actually some excitement in the ground. Um, and I left the game not happy, but I left the game annoyed. And I shouldn't have left the game annoyed because it's, it's against Liverpool, right? You, mm. Come on, you, you're not going to beat Liverpool. But I was actually annoyed that we didn't get a point out of the game. Yeah. And that's encouraging to see, especially after what we've seen in these last five games against these top top teams. Mm. Well, so, you was annoyed, but encouraged by that performance. Yeah. It's interesting that maybe I, I don't want to sound harsh to are, but is it fair in saying this was almost the anti-Palace performance in the sense that they don't normally uh, go and take on teams and go toe-to-toe with teams. Why was it now that Roy decided... Go and express yourself to these players. Go and give it as good as we've got. Let's go toe-to-toe with them. Let's see. Uh, let's show that we can offer something in this game as well. I t- I, there's two things. One, it's against his old club. Mm. And maybe that might play a part in it. And two, we're actually coming up against teams where we sh- we're not favourites, but we should be able to beat them. For example, we've got Burnley next game. Maybe if he's giving them the freedom this game, he's sending them... Get used to it. This is how we're going to play from now on. Now these hard runner fixtures are done. But either way, the the most important thing is that we've seen this couple of times at Royal like, where we played different style of football in terms of we actually went for it. But then the next game, we just stepped back and we didn't really, we didn't go for it as we did in the previous game. So I don't want to get too carried away with it. But I mean, if, if this is the way that we're going to play from now on, then that then that's good. Because in a way, I'm looking at our squad. Our squad has more attacking players than defensive players and we're not getting the best out of them uh, on due to how we've previously played and sat back. I mean, you saw it on the weekend. Um, Andros Townsend had probably the best game of the season. Yeah. No coincidence. Look at the player position maps uh, compared to Chelsea and Liverpool. Chelsea, Townsend, uh, even the midfield. We were talking about these three attackers, but let's talk about the midfield. Luka Milivojevic, he wasn't as deep um, against Liverpool than he was against Chelsea. Kriate, they like were just at the halfway line and they actually pressured them. So, yeah, I mean, so many positives out of this game. Annoyed, of course. You want to talk about the VAR now? <laughs> the controversy. He's busting yeah. me about. It. He's steering me to the points. Yeah, look, let's let's because look, Palace were playing on the front foot, yeah. and obviously they were trying to be the first team to beat Liverpool domestically this season. And let's talk about it. it nearly started yeah. very very brightly because uh, Tom Tomkins' goal that VAR decided wasn't a goal. And I know you you are yeah. very honest on the back of the nest on the Love Sport Fan Show. You always you know even if it's Palace, you see it. You say it how you see it. Uh, yeah. DR. How do you see this one? Um, of course, when you're at the stadium, you're you're always going to go against um, the the referee and and the VAR. You're going to say, "Oh, it's a wrong decision." But uh, looking back at it, correct decision, in my opinion. Um, I know that it wasn't directly involved with the goal in a way. Jordan Ayew yeah. with that push, but you could see there's a clear push there, and it was just a silly mistake. I think Roy came out after the game and said that he agreed with it as well in a way. But my problem is that if you're going to call that. Why can't you look at the second goal that Liverpool scored and there was actually a push and actually a kick mm. on the leg uh, by Van Dijk to Jeffrey Schlupp? I mean, it's similar similar incidents, but it wasn't talked about as much. But I feel like the Van Dijk one was more of a foul than the Jordan Ayew one. Well, this is it, because where do they draw the line? And if we're going to be giving VAR for pushes in the box, fouls in the box, there is a worry that 
a lot of these ones we're seeing this physical uh, football is a physical contact game what we're going to is this going to happen all the time uh, when there is a push would he have got that header anyway up so yes he was there was something that led up into that goal it's very difficult because like you said they didn't look at it now so now are we opening that can of worms but, DR? but that's the thing i mean if if that incident didn't happen with van Dijk, you could say um when are we going to you know when should we call these but it happened. You you disallowed a goal due to a push on Dejan Lovren from Jordan Ayew. Mm. So you made that call that game. So if you're going to make them type of calls, then later on, why are you not even looking at it? Because I was staring at the referee when the second goal went in and it seemed like there was no discussion at all between mm. the referee and the VAR. So was there any Palace players saying, go and look at no, it? No, I think that's the, that's the problem. I mean... You're not. You want players to not go up to the referee, and they've said that many times. You know, they try to give yellow cards sometimes when players yeah. around referee. So it's up to the it's up to the VAR to check that. I mean, why if you can spot that Jordan you want, then why can't you spot that? Because looking at it from they got all types of angles. I only saw it after I saw a certain angle from the more of the right hand side where you can actually see Van Dyke. His leg goes forward as well, gets Jeffrey Slop as well as his his hands, and he pushes him. So mm. I could see that. If I could see that, then VAR should be able to see that because they've got multiple angles and they can work quickly as well. So that's my only problem. I mean, we should have left there with at least a point due to how we played because I actually thought that we played better at certain instances of the game than Liverpool. And that's just crazy to say because this Liverpool side is very good and they've got very good players. But we deserve something out of that game. And that's why the more annoyance came out of it because we actually didn't get anything against Liverpool mm. well you deserve something out of the game certainly a point uh, let's talk about Zaha his first goal mm. of the season great that he finally got it strange that it's only just come in November now he was great on the day could have maybe got another equaliser very late but great for him to get his his first goal of the season DR yeah he he absolutely annihilated Trent Alexander-Arnold That I mean it, this was probably Wilf's, one of Wilf's best games of the seasons as well as Andrews Townsend which I mentioned and as I've said, it's no coincidence. It's due to how we've played. When he told Wilfred Zaha to actually go and attack and do what he does best, then of course he's going to cause all types of problems. And he did all game long. I mean, it's brilliant that he was on a score sheet because that's what we've been really talking about. Is he actually worth 60 to 70 million? Because when you look at his production in terms of assists and goals this season, he hasn't kicked on. But if we play like this, he will get them goals and he will get them assists. And if clubs... When clubs look at that, then they'll be more willing to pay for Wilfred Zaha. But right now, if I was an opposition club and I'm looking at Wilf, in all honesty, I wouldn't pay that price that Palace are putting there. Because you look at his production, yes, he's a very good player. And if he moves to another team, he might get more goals and assists. But right now, he's not really doing it in terms of goals and assists so far. So it was such a positive move by Zaha because we've talked about it and we've said that he hasn't performed against the big clubs. But as soon as Roy changes the system slightly, it's not that much. He just told them to be more forward, uh, pressure pressure the Liverpool defence and Liverpool midfield and have a bit more freedom. As soon as that happened, you see that Wilf is on a score sheet. We're talking about Andros having a time of his life. Um, you got James uh, McArthur, Chico Kiate, who were brilliant in midfield. I don't think it's a coincidence. It's just one, one or two little tweaks that's changed the whole system because we've got the players to play like that. We're not set up to be a wholly defensive squad. We were talking, we're going to talk about Burnley later on, but that's more of a Burnley type. When you look at Burnley squad, then they're more set up like that. But we're not. We've got some attacking flair. I'm not saying that we're top six or 
top four club, but we've got some good attacking players. So why not use them to the best of their ability? Yeah, Palace have a wealth of attacking options. Use them in the right areas. Well, Zaha did get his first goal of the season. Uh, Crystal Palace equalised. Mm. Only tied for three minutes, DR. You know, you know yeah. whenever you equalise in the game, the first thing is be steady at the back. They're going to come back at you. Really disappointing to get back in the game and then all the work was undone three minutes later. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You look at you look at the second goal I mentioned about the Van Dijk incidents, but another thing that I noticed is that when Christian Benteke he came on, he normally has a duty when he's when he starts for the team to mark front post. And it seems like from what I saw from the stands, he went to the front post and someone ordered him to go and mark a player. So mm. there seems like there was a bit of confusion there. That's why Van Dijk was left open and and that's why we struggled with that corner. But overall, um yeah, we conceded two goals, but in the first half especially, um I thought we were very good in terms of defending. We've talked about um, conceding sloppy goals in in the last couple of games, but this game that was not the case. Mm. Um, I mean, you could argue about that about the first goal. Or could we have done better, better communication? But there were so many positive signs from there that I'm encouraged going forward. That if the communication remains like that amongst our backline, then we could actually keep clean sheets against teams like Burnley's and stuff who are scoring goals don't get me wrong I mean Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes they have scored goals but if we keep the communication up and the most important thing was crosses into the box I mean Liverpool were putting early crosses into the box and before we were struggling to keep them out but we actually did manage to keep them out you did and obviously Crystal Palace uh, you know tough run of fixtures at the minute you know having faced Manchester City Arsenal Leicester who we know are flying Mm. Chelsea then they play Liverpool on the weekend there's now I don't want to say an easier run of fixtures but you're not facing those supposed top four top six and, and it's nice that we say the best performance of the season, which was against Liverpool, has come at the end of this run. It's something to build off. A foundation, isn't it, DR? It is. It's, it's, it's absolutely massive. I mean, the next eight games, basically games till the new year, is going to show where we really are. Are we really a top 10 team? Are we really... Can we really push for a top six? I don't think we can, but you never know with the squad. I mean, if we play like we did against Liverpool, against opposition who are less ta- who have less talented players than them, then... You might be able to get one or two surprising results there. So this is a very important period for us. Um, I mean, in this season, and it's it's. I think the the main thing is that fans going into these games, um, their expectations have changed. You have to win these type of games right now. You have to win it, and I mean the players know that as well. And this is a good way to go into these set of games because talking up. Talking ahead of the Liverpool game, these players were up for it now. Uh, Andros talked about it. James McArthur talked about it. They said that we're we're looking forward to this game. But now the players realistically know that, all right, cool, we couldn't get all the results against the top sides, but we could beat these teams if we play like that. So, yeah, this is a massive plus going into the games after a performance like that against Liverpool. Yeah, something to build on. I certainly agree with DR there. But what do you think? Tweet us at Lovesport Radio or call us 0208 We'll be looking towards that Burnley game. We'll be getting Simon Townley on, a panellist for the Turfcast podcast and hairdresser to the Burnley players. Hairdresser to the stars. I can't wait for that interview. Just quickly, is Champions League action tonight? Uh, in- English clubs uh, are in action. Tottenham at home to Olympiacos. Jose Mourinho's second game that new manager bounce they're losing to Olympiacos 1-0 Man City 0-0 against Shakhtar Donetsk we will keep you across all of those games Munich are 1-0 up but Spurs as it stands are currently losing in Mourinho's first game for the fans by the fans love sport radio 
You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with DR Kernas from Back of the Nest podcast. We are talking everything where Palace are concerned. DR saying, look, he didn't give Palace much of a chance against Liverpool. He came away annoyed because he was so encouraged by that performance. They certainly should have got a point. I, I watched it. I felt like they were they were worthy of a point. It happens in these games. So annoying when you don't have something to show for it. But they can build on that performance, an anti-Roy performance maybe. And, and that that is praise. Build on that. You have the attacking players. Well, delighted uh, to say that Max Matthews, Love Sports' very own, has joined me in DR now on the phone. Max, thank you for giving us a little bit of the time. Turns Roy Hodgson all saying best Palace performance of the season so far even in that defeat Max do you agree? Hi guys yeah you know what I think I do I think I do agree it was really 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 solid from us um, we threatened I'd, I'd argue we had more more chances than probably better chances than them as well um, and we were unlucky to get um, to not get any points from it but that is what champions do you know they take advantage we only gave them a couple of opportunities and they took them both that's why they're probably going to win the Premier League this year um, uh, Charlie's calling it anti-Roy performance I mean that sounds bad yeah it sounds bad but I mean but you, you understand yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's negative and positive uh, <laughs> yeah it's anti-Roy what do you make of the performance and the fact that we were, we were actually playing on the front foot against the champions of Europe and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It is it is a difficult one. I'm not I'm not sure how how Roy approached it um, so differently from how he normally approaches every single other game. Normally we're very conservative, even at home. But against Liverpool, he kind of seemed to fight fire with fire. And obviously they are well known for their game pressing. They're pressing high up the pitch and you know catching people off guard and getting the ball back very quickly after they lose it. And he almost tried to do that. Um, against against you know the the team who came second last year, he's probably going to finish as champions this year. He tried to play them at their own game, and we saw Kuyate pushing on a little bit further and pressing their defenders high up the pitch. It was really intriguing, and to be honest, I didn't know Roy had that kind of uh, tactical tactical switch in his locker. I'm really glad to see it, and hopefully, we'll be kind of improving more facets of our game going forward and trying new things to suit the team we're playing against rather than just doing the basics of the Roy Hodgson performance every week, which seems to be a kind of flat 4-4-2 and um, aim for the 1-0. Another thing that I really didn't see coming is Christian Benteke coming off the bench and actually making an impact. Um, What do you make of his performance? Benteke needs to start for me. And start of the season, he was played out of the team by Jordan Ayew. Ayew did really well. And Ayew hasn't 
really even dropped off in his performances that much. But Ayu, on his day, is only ever going to be, you know, a 7, maybe 8 out of 10 kind of player. Christian Benteke, when he's on his day, can score 17 goals in a season like he did in his first season. That player is still within him. And I think you've got to, you've got to give him the chance to do that now. He's done well when he's come on in the last couple of games. Uh, when he came on against Liverpool, his overhead kick was narrowly wide. He, he played a big part in Zaha's goal in the equaliser. And for me, you've got to play him. His international form can be translated across into club form. Will it? You know, let's find out. But let's, let's give him a shot in the team. The only problem I have with him starting is the fact that it seems like when he starts, is we rely on hoofing the ball up to him and expecting him to um, head it on to Wilf or Andros, whoever's playing out or wide. And I mean, it's really a hit or miss situation. But when you look at the first goal that we scored, it wasn't Benteke heading the ball on. It was actually Benteke playing it on the floor and giving it to Wilfred Zaha. And I mean, by him coming off the bench, because we've been playing like that and we haven't been um, relying on hoofs all game long, he just naturally comes in and has to fit in our game. And I feel like if he starts, we might go back to just hoofing the ball up to him. And that's my only slightly worry about Benteke um, because I don't feel like we play to our strengths like that and Wilf gets less touches and all, all the other players get less touches like that. Sure, I, I te- definitely take that point. And maybe that's a problem at Liverpool as well, because when he came on uh, for Liverpool, he would tend to play as a target man and they would lump it up to him. And really, that's not his game. Obviously, he has a, he has a good aerial presence. But uh, I think maybe it detracts from the team when he comes on and everyone just immediately starts lumping it long to him. There has to be a bit of a mix of that. And we saw in his first season that people, especially Townsend and the fullbacks, would aim kind of long, high crosses towards him. And I think that if you're doing that, if you're doing it with the purpose of looking for him and aiming for him, as well as playing on the floor and giving Zaha an an opportunity uh, to play like that, as long as it's not just kind of aimlessly, hopelessly lumping it forward, then it's all right. And I hope that that mentality, that attitude can prevail when he does play. Yeah, I completely agree. Max, you know, it's easy to get bogged down in stats and runs and we say Palace haven't won in five games, but look at the teams they face. But not only that, you know, obviously there's encouragement, there's there's praise for that performance, but they, they, they still stand on 15 points, even in that five-game winless run, and yet they're only, you know, three points off six, four points off fifth. And so even in that form, they're only one win to get them right back in that mix again, aren't they? Yeah, they're not far off at all. And of course, you're right. You never want to praise a team for for losing. And we have start got um, we have to start getting points in games where we're maybe not dominant and nicking the odd point here and there. Like Liverpool are very good at doing. They're very good at getting results when they're when they're not playing particularly well. But as you said, there are encouraging points from the performance, and they'll definitely take that forwards. Um, I think now we've got maybe one of the easiest runs of any club in the Premier League until the end of the season. Obviously, in the Premier League, no game is easy, but our games are easier than uh, than some other teams. And I'm sure that we can get right back up there um, in the next couple of weeks. I think one negative coming out of this game was Joel Wood going out injured again. I mean, he last game against Chelsea, he struggled, but he managed to come back for the Liverpool game. It's just, I mean, we've talked about it previously on this show, um, the fact that we haven't got another fullback, but it seems like he might be out for 
um, well, actually, I don't know. He might he might be out for a long time or he might not. But let's say that Joel Ward is out for the Burnley game. You put Martin Kelly in there. Do you think how much do you think that impacts our team going forward? Because yeah, Joel Ward isn't the greatest player um, going forward, but he's still better than Martin Kelly, and you you need your fullbacks to help likes of Andrews Townsend as well at times. Do you think that it could contribute to Andrews Townsend's performance of not having Joel Ward there? I think it could contribute to Townsend's performance. I think it could also contribute to uh, to the right centre-back's performance, whether that's Cahill uh, or Tompkins or whoever. But it just goes to show that you need to plan for these kind of eventualities in the summer. And you're right, we've talked about it before, um, but we should have got a second right-back in the summer, even if it was a backup to Joel Ward rather than a number one choice and Ward is number two. We needed another player in there because now what we're, we're seeing is Ward is getting injured. Understandably, players get injured during the season, especially over the December period when there are so many fixtures. And we're paying the price now for, for not having a specialist right back because Ward is the only specialist right back in the squad. Um, whether it's Kelly who plays there, I don't know, maybe even Tompkins. Van Aanholt has played right back on kind of rare occasions. I think we are going to see a drop-off and it is really only the managers and the scouting team's fault. Uh, Max, just very quickly, obviously we spoke about the game and that terrific performance on the weekend, even though coming away with no points. A big talking point, obviously VAR, the Tompkins goal ruled out, the push uh, from IU, obviously on Lovren, deemed, you know, it was it was obviously in the build-up up to that goal. The goal was chalked off. Roy said he agreed with it. I'm not so sure. A lot of people were saying it should have stood. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, good question. I was wondering if we were going to talk about this. Uh, it's, it, is, it is a really difficult one because kind of individually, if you look at the incident, there is a push uh, by IU on Lovren. Is it enough to make, you know, a big six foot four Eastern European centre-back throw himself to the ground like that? Um, probably not. Also, he was never getting to the ball. Um, I understand. I understand why the referees looked at that in ultra slow motion. Obviously, things are worse in slow motion and not given it. But for me, as a Palace fan, I hope I'm not being too biased. For me, it was soft. Um, I don't mind if the if the ruling is that any any contact at all like that in the box is going to be a foul and you know disallow a goal if there's a push like that in the build up. But then the thing is consistency. You have to have that every week. And Arsenal scored a goal against us this season, for example, where Lacazette and MacArthur at the near post, um, right next to each other, marking each other. Lacazette pushes him away, like nudges him away, flicks it on, Arsenal score. That was widely seen as a goal and a fair goal. You know, oh, it's just, um, it's just people barging each other in the box. It's just strength. He's just using his strength. It's clever play. It's a goal. And we're seeing now the inconsistency with the ref looking at the Palace goal against Liverpool and saying, oh, well, it's a push, so it can't count. As long as things are consistent, that's all you want. Um, you're talking about consistency and talking about... But, I mean, in that game in particular, you look at the second goal, Liverpool's second goal, and you could argue that there's a case for Van Dijk pushing Jeffrey Schlupp. And I'm not too sure if you saw that um, incident, but there's contact from Van Dijk to Jeffrey Schlupp. And you look at it, the VAR, it, it seemed like they didn't even check it. I mean, what, what do you what do you make of that? Yeah, I have seen that. I have seen that. It, 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 you're right. It, it is it is odd that they that VAR seems to check so many incidents, but then something like that, which seemed to be a clear um, a clear push, uh, don't get checked. I I don't know. The incident isn't quite clear enough to see if Van Dyke got the ball. If he is, it's not a foul. But it did look like that there was a bit of a push. 
But all of this has to be balanced against the fact that um, it's easy to have a bit of a short memory with this. We remember that Aston Villa had a goal disallowed against us very late on for um, for something which may not have which maybe couldn't um, shouldn't have been disallowed. Arsenal had a goal disallowed against us, maybe a little bit unfairly, and we've had two kind of quite ve- quite tight VAR calls against West Ham as well go our way. So we have benefited at other times in the season. So ultimately, it's probably just evening itself out. But I do agree with you. Uh, the IU disallowed goal was a bit soft and maybe we're a bit unlucky with the Van Dyke push on Schlupp as well. Yeah, always great to get you on, Max, talking a lot of sense there. Max Matthews, Love Sports, very own. Great to get him on the show talking about other VAR incidents that Palace, it, uh, it was in favour of them. Maybe it shouldn't have been DR's looking at me like, don't you bring it up. <laughs> we are talking uh, next, though, about some off-the-field uh, in, uh, incidents that yeah. are going on at Crystal Palace. I mean, let me tell you, fair, a few of them, they're fairly big. From Ali to Zaha, we've got it covered. Love Sport Radio. This is Love Sport, and you are listening to me, Charlie Hawkins, on the Crystal Palace Fan Show. I'm joined in the studio with Dr. Kernas from the Back of the Nest podcast. Well, we were just talking about the Liverpool game. Max Matthews uh, took out a little time to join us this evening, giving us his thoughts on the game and that tough run of fixtures. Just very quickly, we will be looking and doing a preview of the Burnley game, but there is Champions League action tonight, and Spurs are in action. Mourinho's first game in charge uh, of Spurs. In the Champions League, they're losing 2-0 to Olympiacos. Can they turn it around there? DR is smiling. Yeah, I early think. days, early days. <laughs> I mean, they'll still be better than Arsenal in a couple of years, like a couple of years' time. <laughs> Give it some time. I, 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 I really don't know where he's come from, DR. Honestly, when we started these shows, I thought he was a really nice person. Just quickly, who do you rather have, Mourinho or Emery? Emery, let's quickly talk now about the the, the off-the-field stuff where Crystal Palace are concerned. The big news coming out of the club in the last few days, DR, apparently, as there always Mm. is, a takeover bid is close to uh, being completed. Crystal Palace are within weeks of confirming 215 million takeover of the club. The consortium aims to buy the whole club obviously including Steve Parrish's 18% stake, DR. What have you made of this news? I mean... We've we've seen it for a while that there's always been talks about a takeover happening. Um, I'm not that surprised about it, but I'm not too sure if it's completely true. In all honesty, but I think why? I just because the report actually said that the deal could be done before Christmas, so that is real real soon. And it seems like only, there's only one report from it. It's only maybe one. it's been really under wraps though. Could this be the case? T- it could be but I just don't see it happen really um, and the so yeah Parish is 18% holding I think that's the most significant part about it because um, yes we've talked about uh, the American owners and them they're selling their um, stakes uh, in a club but the fact that Parish is 18% as well that's that's quite significant and that's rather saying that Parish is his time at Palace might be over sooner rather than later and it's interesting because he's the one that I don't want to say this, but he, yeah, he's the one that made us. Like, he delivered us to the Premier League mm-hmm. and made us stable there. I mean, there's been some questionable decisions, of course. One of them being can't get it all right. Yeah, you can't get it all right. But the fact that if if Parish is is even thinking about selling um, his stake at a the club, then that could make it very interesting. Because with the, with the American owners, you saw it; they came in, it didn't work out. But this time, we might not even have Parish to save us anymore and mm-hmm. make decisions. But the report did say, uh, let me not. Um, exclude this out of it it did say yes it will happen it might happen before christmas uh negotiations 
are still in a way. Um, but Parrish should stay on to help steer the club into a new era. That's what I'm confused about. Well, it's like he wants. That's to what say. you want the new owners to steer you into that new era. Let's but, take it from. Yeah. I know Steve Parrish. Obviously, you hold him in high regard. How do you feel and how do the Palace fans, the general Palace fans consensus of a takeover? Because this could be an exciting thing. We've seen what takeovers does. Look what it does to City. We hear the rumours all the time. Palace are, are, are close. We need that investment, you know. We need that recruitment. How do they feel though? Because obviously you mentioned the other narrative. The flip side is sometimes it doesn't go that well. Yeah. Where do you stand on it all? Um, I mean, I think before the American owners came in, I think more Palace fans might have been up for it to see a bit of change and maybe a bit of money coming to the club but I think from what's happened since the American owners have come in and the reports that they're not really interested they're looking to sell their shares and all other drama I'm not too sure if Palace fans are really convinced on a whole takeover including Parish's stakes being mm. sold I mean it's a very it's a very risky move because we've seen it before with other clubs where a takeover happens um, you have owners like Mike Ashley, for example, at Newcastle, um, and the club has just gone downhill ever mm. since. So, I mean, me as a whole, I I'm not that you can convinced. Never... I'm not that convinced because I really don't know who's coming in. Mm. But you can't yeah. not sell the art in case of it going wrong because it could go so right. That is the gamble, yeah, it could, isn't it? But you have to you do your to... due diligence before. You have to do your homework, your research into the people that I, are buying this I club. Ha- I have. Faith in Parish to make sure that if this does happen, mm. he would sell it on to. Well, this is the right, what he so, make so sure why aren't the right you more people. positive then? But it's just the fact that I there's no no real information. Names, yeah, no real names out there. Who's going to come into the club? We don't know, and that's the risky part about it because mm. American owners came in and it didn't work out. Well, what do you make of it, Eagles fans? Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 70 20 558. Potential uh, talks there. Consortium aiming to buy your club 215 million pounds. What do you make of that? In other off the field matters, Palace have held talks with Croydon Council uh, over applying for um, a purchase order to secure a piece of land next to Selhurst park that is currently dr owned by sainsbury's uh, what does this mean for the club can you tell us a little bit more about this yeah i mean sainsbury's it seems like sainsbury's been an issue in terms of the re- redevelopment process for a very long time even when we announced it i was at the actual event itself and um when i was speaking to other people within the club it seems like sainsbury's was the ones that i were actually delaying it and it seems like nothing has really changed about this um yeah, the car. Why do they want the piece of land? What, just well, for, it's, uh, if it's stadium I don't, extension, I don't, I don't expansion. Think, I don't think they want it in particular. I think they want to. They they would be willing to sell it, but of course they want a lot of money from it. Which Palace, I don't think want. No, to why do them. Palace want this land? Oh, because just it, it, the way that the stadium is going to expand, it, it requires that land as well. Mm. It's just one of the things as part of the plan, so it works like that. So of yeah. course you you need to have it in order to complete the whole development um the in the way that you want yeah 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 in the way that you want it but yeah it's just it's a it's, a, it's an area of a car park i mean what can i say um don't go to sainsbury's with your cars <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe that's the best solution yeah don't go to sainsbury's with I your mean, cars they are. And, and, and we've got it all sorted i mm. mean 
if I was in charge. Uh, unbelievable. You should be in no, charge. But- I hope you've registered to vote because yeah. that is that simple. That people, yeah. they come from far and wide, sort out this problem, sort out this exactly. problem. Just don't go Sainsbury's with go- your cars. Yeah, with your cars. <laughs> That'll simple. be my number one. Saving the planet, you know, climate, you know, the petrol. Saying, there's been people out there saying, you know what, don't go to Sainsbury's Palace fans. And I don't know, some people Th- might that, be That is genuinely it. a real movement. Yeah, is yeah. It? Hashtag I've, I've don't go it. Sainsbury's. I've, I've seen on social media, some people have been saying, I don't know if they're serious, but yeah, I mean... They are holding us back um, and it is annoying in a way because I've been looking forward to this redevelopment for a very long time and it just seems like mm. everything is slowly getting into place but then there's Sainsbury's and it's not the same as it's, it's, the, it's the car park. Yeah. It's like, come on. <laughs> well, hopefully <laughs> you're now doing your shopping on foot. You're not yeah. going on car or any vehicle, uh, especially ones that are near uh, any supermarkets that have car parks near Selhurst Park. Yeah. But let's quickly talk the NDR because not only is it nearly the end of the year 2019, it's nearly the end of the decade, 2010 to 2020. Obviously, 10 years, crazy 10 years for where Palace yeah. are concerned, really. The highs, the lows, and the ups and downs. You've been there to see it all. If we can take you, and I'm, I'm really kind of putting you on the spot here. You didn't know we were really going to yeah. talk about this tonight. In those 10 years, what are your fondest memories? What are your your highs, your lows in that 10 years? You know, yeah. seeing Palace from, from spot A to spot B, you know, if it was on a chart, it would be very roller coaster, yeah. uh, to be fair. But in the last 10 years, so, you know, if we say, where were Palace in 2000? and 10 and look where we are maybe potentially a month away from a takeover at the end of 2019 well you look at 2010 we basically there was going to be no crystal palace mm. i mean there was a chance of that actually we could happening. have done a bigger show on this year yeah i mean it's it's crazy to where we've come in that short span of time i mean if you're looking at this decade as a whole majority of it i was just i was looking back um just now and We've spent the majority of it in the Premier League. Mm. I mean, 2013, you got promoted. And ever since then, we've been in the Premier League. Yeah. So it's been crazy. Um, crazy in a sense, decade. in that yeah. decade, yeah. You just look at it, You look at the managers that we've had um, from Tony Pulis to Frank De Boer for basically one and a half working days. Um, we had Sam Adidas, who I wasn't convinced on, but we actually played some fantastic football under him and I miss him. Um, wow! <laughs> yeah, I mean, you miss Allardyce, yeah? Uh, yeah, honestly, after you, big up, big up to you, Di. Well, never back look, away look, from your no, opinions. No, no, no. Okay. Look at Patrick Wijnaldum under Allardyce. Yeah, he was brilliant. Look at Benteke under Allardyce. He was brilliant. No, I'm not shooting uh, yeah. you down. I, you, I was, you were, yeah, I, I, I was so surprised because I didn't expect this. I thought, all right, Allardyce is going to come in. We're going to play this boring type of football. But we actually played some nice football. I mean, we beat you guys, Arsenal, three 0 I don't day. That. I mean, I don't yeah, I'll I remember that day brilliantly. I I, I remember, remember yeah. raised that from my um, decade. <laughs> but yeah, um, we've had some good memories under Adidas. But in terms of my team of the decade, it's 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 hard to pick. If I'm picking by talent, well, there's one position where it's not hard. That's goalkeeper. That's Julian Sproni. Yeah, yeah. Legend. I mean, he's a Come legend. On. Yeah, he's a legend. Yeah, I mean, we don't. Uh, that's easy. Yeah, exactly. But then, have you got a team? Have you picked a team? Yeah, I mean, just by talent, quickly. All right, let's say, yeah, defence. Okay. We know the okay. goalkeeper Spironi. Right here. Right back. But, right back. Best talent, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Sacco, Cahill, Patrick Van Aanholt. All look right back? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the back four. I'm doing it quickly yeah, for yeah. you. Midfield. And then midfield, Kabai, Luka Milivojevic. Legend Kabai. Yeah. I don't, can Love you, him. Can you use loan players? Well, if he's making your 11, if you, if that's what you want, it's your 11. Who am I to disagree? Yeah, go on. I just feel like he, he worked well with Kobay and, yeah, Ruben off the sheet. I thought he was brilliant. Wow, okay, yeah, and yeah. Some no, football it's your under, team. Especially under Eagles Hodge. fans, what, give uh, us your team, go on. Balassi. Yeah. Even though he, he didn't 
end his time at Palace brilliantly. Balassi, especially Balassi and Wilf Championship. Glenn Murray in the Championship. I mean, yeah. I, there was one month where he scored more than Messi and Ronaldo. He had mm. like 31 goals or something. Yeah, I mean, that front three is... That's like a proper throwback. And, and Wan-Bissaka makes it on that one season. Yeah, I mean, Wan-Bissaka, he's a, this decade, if you're looking at right-backs, there's only Joe Wood. Yeah, um, yeah. Wan, no, Wan-Bissaka no, mainly. You're looking at them two that's played along. I mean, if you're looking at talent, it's, it's, it has to be Wan-Bissaka. No, it's, it's, one season it's a strong 11. You was strong in your choosing there. You can never be swayed. The uh, Eagles fans, I'm asking you, it is nearly the end of the decade. What is your... Best Palace 11. Please get in touch with us tonight. Tweet us at Love Sport Radio or call us 0208 70 20 558. We're going to look towards that game with Burley. Delighted to say Simon Townley, a panellist for the Turfcast podcast. But more importantly, who cares about that? Because he's hairdresser to the Burnley Stars. I can't wait to not only ask him what that is like, but see if he'll give me a trim. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I'm joined in the studio with a lone representative tonight, the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Kernas from the Back of the Nest podcast. Well, we just spoke about Palace's best eleven from Dr.'s point in this last decade. We spoke to Max Matthews. We done the Liverpool review, the VAR controversy. It has been a packed show for me and Dr. tonight. But we are looking towards that game with Burnley on the weekend, who are having a good time under Sean Dyche in the Premier League. Delighted to say we are now joined by Simon Townley, panellist from uh, from Turfcast podcast. But more importantly, Simon, let's be honest. Let's forget the game. Let's forget Turfcast just for a minute because you are the hairdresser for all the Burnley stars. Where? Let's begin with that. How, does, how did you start? How did the players get in touch with you? Who's the best person to cut hair for? Who moans the most? Who wants to shape up on a daily? <laughs> Wow, there's so many questions. Uh, uh, right, okay, so I'll start with the uh, with the how did uh, get in that sort of area. Um, started a few years ago when I used to do, you know, like the under twenty ones. A few of the kids coming through. Just had a, I had a local salon in Burnley. They sort of visited me, and then we signed a player. Obviously, you might know him called Danny Ings. Um, yeah, he. He actually had a torrid time when he first joined Burnley, if you remember. He got a big knee injury, and I think he was out for about 12 months, yeah. pretty much straight off the off. Um, but then, obviously, he joined the development squad while he got back to fitness, turned in onto him as being a client, and then he just grew from there to your Heatons and, and so on and so forth. And so, who, who's who's the best then to cut for? You know, who's like you know always has to have the you know the freshest trim, you know the new shape up. And who do you think? Oh, not him again. All he does is moan in the chair. Oh, see, I can't answer the negative question. Let's be fair. I know you've got to. Ask that <laughs> <laughs> who do you think's the best one? Oh, um, looking at the eleven. I, looking at the eleven, oh, who do I think? Who's got the best barnet there? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, he's a tough one. I, I can give you my answer in a minute. We'll, we'll uh, Dwight up. McNeil. Oh yeah, do you know what? He's got like he's he's a uh, yeah he's always fresh in He's young, yeah. he's fresh, he's exciting. He's but I imagine uh, Sean Dyche is pretty easy. Just quickly, quick job. Done. Yeah, I don't do it. He, he, he's, like, <laughs> he's, he's anti-modern technology and everything, mate. He don't go nowhere near. I'm a hairdresser. He's having none of me. Simon, uh, well, listen, I know you're a hairdresser to the stars, mate. I'm going to find you. I'd love you to give me a trim up. <laughs> if you saw my barn, it, it looks like Stevie Wonder's had a go on it. Let's let's quickly talk about the game on the weekend. Obviously, Burnley are going well at the minute, as they always are, Sean Dyche. We're hearing this managerial merry-go-round. Sean Dyche is a name that's being linked to a few of those jobs. How well, in your opinion, is this man doing at your club? 
Um, I, I listened to a to someone to Sam Allardyce the other day on the radio, and he he summed it up perfectly for me. And he said that you know to win a trophy, you you kind of monitored on your trophy winnings, like your Pochettinos and stuff, haven't actually won anything. But to win a trophy, you only have to win six games in a row. Whereas to win to get Burnley to Europa League in seventh, you have to be consistent over a full season. Now I can't say it any better than that myself because. Let's be fair, the 11 on the paper aren't the best 11, and, and I'm open to admitting that. But to get them to the Europa League the way we did, with you know Tommy Eaton out very early on in that season, a new boy called Nick Port then, and obviously there's some other injury aspects to, to deal with. And then he got that to the Europa League. I think that's an unbelievable achievement with the, with the squad depth that we have. Yeah, I think that's a, good, that's a good point. And you look at Burnley's style of football, I mean, with all due respect, it's not the most exciting um, exactly, out there in the Premier League. But, uh, but we've, we've kind of had the similar kind of similar situation with Palace and Roy Hodgson where fans have been frustrated and said that we've had enough of Roy Hodgson and his defensive-minded approach. I'm not saying Burnley's defensive, but of course, when you associate Burnley, you think of balls into the box um, and it's not really the greatest. What's it like watching it as a fan? And do you mind it if it gets you the results? See, we we haven't been spoiled like like the Palaces have in previous with you know your your exciting football mm. and and your top end Premier League finishes on on you know more than one occasion. That's the first time we've ever finished up there. So we we've grown with this mantra of playing long balls and and when we have to and and being a bit more sort of rugged at the back because we were in Division Two when I started watching us and going up to the Championship and, and then on to, into Premier League. We haven't really changed our style of play. I think the most exciting we got was with Eddie Howe. That never got us into the Premier League. So, do you know, can I say that it frustrates me? Sometimes it does when you're, when you're watching lesser teams like Sheffield United, I would say to me, was a team that we should be beating. I know they've gone and excelled everything this season, but to get turned over by them 3-0, that's when it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think it's the worst type of football to play. We can switch it up. I think. Do you remember back to the Everton goal that we scored a couple of years ago, where we said if it were Barcelona, that would be played on loop all day long. Yeah, um, I mean, you've had you've well, had good moments, of course. Um, but yeah, that's that's the thing because, as you said, we have got some attacking players at Palace, but some Palace fans, even in the stadium, you can notice it now. It's just they've they've been fed up because. Roy's not being using the players to the best of their ability and the football's not being exciting. So it was interesting to see your perspective there. Uh, another thing, of course, your strikers, they've been scoring goals, Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes. I think they've got six goals each so far this season. How can Palace even yeah. stop them? Uh, well, you've got serious centre-halves at the back, and let's be fair, like Kale's so experienced. Mm. This is a game made for him. You know, long balls, uh, eye in the air. That's what we like dealing with, crosses. He should be mopping that up all day long with his calibre. Um, you know, is he going to beat someone one on one with pace? Probably not. But this is the kind of game I expect him to sort of sham for you. Um, your, your attacking force of Burnley is going to be just balls in set pieces. If you can sort of come in with that attitude of you know what's coming, I can't see why you couldn't defend against us. But yeah, you're all right. They are on fire. Chris Wood in particular, getting half chances and putting them in nowadays. So it's a contrast from what last season was with him. Yeah, uh, well, obviously, Burnley are on a really good run at the minute, Simon. They beat Watford 3-0. They beat West Ham mm-hmm. 3-0. There's a little bit of a pattern. The game before, they, they lost 3-0. It's a, it's a scoreline that seems to be following them around at the minute. But if we're taking those two games, three points, uh, three goals, clean sheets, they're, they're, you know, great foundations, a lot of confidence at the minute. How do you think this game will play out and what is your score prediction, Simon? 
Well, funny you say that. I said that on Turfcast podcast this morning when we did ours. I said on the pattern of history, three goals plus in this game should be a certain bet. To be honest with you, but I looked at your run of fixtures, and after Burnley, you've got. To, I mean, even with Burnley included as a Palace fan, you've got to be looking at this, thinking this is a winnable game for you. Uh, irrelevant of the table position at the minute, but I do think that at home Burnley can beat anybody, and, and I do think that we should be beating Palace at home if we want to stay as a top serious contenders for pushing on to the top half of the season, uh, top half of the table. Yeah. So, what is your score prediction then, Burnley, to get the win here? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I've gone. Can't even remember what I went on Turfcast now, so I'm gonna completely contradict myself a bit. But I, I, I think I went for. Uh, I think I went for two one. 2-1 Simon um, you're making no friends here but you have to stick by your team 2-1 real pleasure to get you on Simon we'll have to get you on another show Simon Tanley there panellist for Turfcast podcast and obviously hairdresser to the Burnley players really good to just get that insight he's going to back his team They're, we're hearing you know 3-0 3-0 and then 3-0 in reverse DR but for you ha, this is the big one you've got past this tough stretch of fixtures how does it play out for you in your score prediction um, first of all, are we going to use the same approach as we did against Liverpool? I think that plays a massive part in terms of my score prediction. I feel like if we do use the same approach and if we do put Burnley under pressure, then we're more likely to get a decent result. So that's the thing with Roy, you never know really. We might go back to the old defensive approach just because they're hoofing balls up to Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes and we're scared of it. So I'm not too sure, but I think I'm more positive than last week. Last week I predicted 2-1 Liverpool, I think. Did I? I'm going like, to have to start writing these yeah, down because you, you're making yeah. that you get it right every week and I'm not I'm not buying yeah. this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, this week, I think I'm going to go with um, a 2-0 Palace. Whoa, 2-0 Palace. Yeah, I, f- I feel like... You. Yeah, I feel like Wilfred Zaha and Andros Townsend, they, they've had really good games. Um, they had a really good game against Liverpool um, and I feel like they'll continue that form on and the team's on a high. As we said, um, if you're playing like that against Liverpool, do you want to go out there and get the same... And you want to do the same and get a result against Burnley. Well, Simon picked a Burnley win. DR, of course, from back in the nest, is picking a Palace win. We asked you to get in touch with your Palace eleven. Uh, our main man here, Nick, Nick uh, Gillard, has tweeted he's going for Guaita. He's saying nah, better than you, Julian. You can't do that. You can't he, do he's that. saying better than Julian as well. And he's back for Klein, Cahill already, Sacco, Kelly, Kabai, Townsend, Wilf, MacArthur, Murray. And wait for this one. Chamak. Chamak. Yeah. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. Chamak was actually decent at Palace. But I wouldn't include him in my all-decade team. I'll put Murray there. Yeah, I'll, I'll just keep Murray there and put Balassi instead of Chamak. Uh, um, unbelievable. What <laughs> do you make of both teams? What do you make of the game on the weekend? DR, always a pleasure to have you in the studio. As it is every uh, Tuesday, 8 till 9, it's the Crystal Palace Fan Show Takeover right here on Love Sport Radio. We'll see you next week at the same time, 8 o'clock. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news, and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.